This is the Conversion Aid Podcast, episode 23. Welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast, where we help software entrepreneurs to take their business to the next level. Each week, we interview proven industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you create software that sells. Here's your host, Omer Khan. Hey everyone, welcome to the Conversion Aid Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the podcast for software entrepreneurs and companies who want to grow their business to the next level and create software that sells. Now, if you'd like to stay in touch and get updates on upcoming episodes and insider content, you can join the Conversion Aid community by going to conversionaid.com slash VIP. No spam, just quality content. And if you enjoy the show, then I'd really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to leave a review on iTunes. Your review is the number one way you can support the show. Just go to conversionaid.com slash iTunes. Okay, today's interview is with Spencer Hawes. Spencer is the founder of Longtail Pro, a keyword research tool. Longtail Pro allows you to generate hundreds or thousands of longtail keywords in minutes. Spencer launched the product in 2011 and has successfully grown it into a six-figure software business. Spencer, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Omar, for having me. It's great to be on the podcast. I've told our audience just a little bit about your business, but before we talk about that, tell me a little bit about you personally. Who is Spencer when he's not working? Yeah, so I am definitely a family man. I'm married. I have four children, and they are a bundle of fun, and they definitely keep me busy when I'm not <laughs> working. So uh, when they get home from school, work is uh, usually time to wrap up, you know, as you can imagine with four kids. So um, I have a lot of fun with them, whether we go out hiking or, or do things outdoors, which we enjoy a lot. Um, other than that, I, I try to get a little bit of running in when I can, but uh, that sort of ebbs and flows with how busy I am in the business, I guess, if you will. But um, all around, I, I enjoy the outdoors. I love spending time with my family and uh, certainly always enjoy talking business. Awesome. Now, before we dive into more details, we like to kick things off with a success quote to better understand what drives and motivates our guests. What is one of your favorite success quotes? Yeah, so as far as quotes are concerned, I, I really am not somebody that has a quote book, you know, that uh, I'm referring to or I don't hang up quotes. And that's not to say that that's not a good idea. But uh, so I, I don't have a, a favorite quote per se, but I do have something that uh, conversation that I had with my father. Um, oh, a couple of years ago, I was trying to make a decision where to go with my business. And, and the quote that he said that I'm sure many of you have heard is to make hay while the sun shines. And um, that's something that it impacted me at that time when I was sort of at a decision point. And I look back to that, make hay when the sun shines, just meaning when your business is going good, try to focus on that business and, and do what you can and grow it while, while the sun shines, while things are going well. Awesome. Okay, let's start by giving the, the listeners a better understanding of Longtail Pro. Who are your target customers and what are the top pain points that you're trying to solve for them? 
So the target customer is typically either the solo entrepreneur or the SEO, somebody that's running uh, their own blog or maybe is running multiple niche websites. That's that's the core audience that I speak to through my blog. But really, the audience is anybody that runs a website that is trying to rank it in Google. Um, so people doing search engine optimization. And a couple of the main pain points that people have is uh, speed of doing keyword research, people um, using either other tools or just using you know their own pen and paper brainstorming methods. Um, it can be a lot of time to figure out what's the right keyword to target. So a big pain point is just speed of finding profitable keywords. And that's, that's the main thing that Longtail Pro helps people do. Uh, the other thing... The other pain point that people have is the confidence of knowing what keywords can be profitable. So they might think that they have a great keyword, but uh, with Longtail Pro, uh, there's certain things in place that help you gain that confidence knowing that you have a great keyword on your hands. Now, you know, after all of the recent well, they're not so recent, the, the Google updates, whether it's, you know, Panda or Penguin or whatever. A, a lot of people would say, look, those days of SEO are, are gone. And it's really just now about creating great content. What would you say to those people? And why do you believe that a keyword research tool is still relevant today? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I actually would agree that um, great content is key. You know, you still most certainly have to produce that great content. But as long as there's search engines, the way that people are finding information through Google and other search engines is by using keywords. Uh, Google has to be able to organize the billions of websites out there in some fashion. And the way that they organize that is by keywords. You type something into Google and it has to return relevant results. And it just, because people are searching for so many things each and every day on Google, um, there's some keywords that are very competitive. And then there's other keywords that are not very competitive, you know, meaning a lot of websites are not writing about some longer tailed phrase. And so it still is so critical um, to know what to write about. You know, you know, you need to produce good content, but what specifically um, should you write about? And you need to be thinking, how are people going to find that article? What keywords are they going to use to hopefully find your content? So keyword research is still absolutely critical because if you just sit down and write an article, you might write a really great article, but Google is not necessarily going to uh, organize it the way that you want them to. People aren't going to uh, find that content unless you're using proper keywords. Now, Longtail Pro wasn't the first keyword research tool in the market. And there are, you know, a lot of other um, options or competing products out there. How, how do you, um, you know, what's, what do you do to differentiate your product and, and how is Longtail product, Longtail Pro different from those other competing products? Right. There definitely are a lot of competing products out there. You know, Longtail Pro is not the first and, you know, it hasn't been the last. There will be new ones created. Uh, but that is the key. How can you be different from your competitors? And one thing that I found, 
And to give people a little bit of background, I before I created Longtail Pro, I was out creating lots of uh, websites. I was doing lots of keyword research, and I was trying to do it as quickly as possible. And so I was using the competing products that existed, for example, Market Samurai. And one of the main pain points that I had as a user of these other keyword research tools is that it took a long time to... Uh, get lots of results. And specifically, one particular point is that uh, most of the tools only allowed you to input one seed keyword at a time. So you'd input one seed keyword, get a batch of results. And if you didn't like those results, you had to go back and input another uh, seed keyword. So I just took that one small point And a big differentiator of mine now is you can input multiple seed keywords at once. So instead of one, you can input five or ten. And that drastically reduces the amount of research time that it it takes for people. So I was um, perhaps the first keyword research tool to do that. I don't know. There may have been others, but I was the first one to to really focus on that. Um, The multiple seed keywords at once and the overall speed Um, just doing some things that you could pre-filter instead of filter after you get results, which also reduces time. So that that's the big, has been the big um, differentiator for me is um, speed of getting results and the quantity of the results that you get back. Now, let's talk more about what you were doing before you launched Longtail Pro. Tell me a little bit more about these sites that you were building. Yeah, so back in about 2006 or so is when I created my first website, and I did it more out of a desire to see if I actually could create a website. Just a hobby, um, got something on the web, figure out what this whole internet thing was all about, and got it up and running, and nobody came to my website. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like probably many people have had that experience. I was like, huh. How do I actually get people to come to my website? And that led me on a journey of figuring out what search engine optimization was and how Google actually works. And uh, it was really a couple of years before the light bulb kind of went on for me and realized, oh, I see. So if I actually write about things that are low competition in Google, I can rank very quickly. Um, because nobody else is trying to rank for that keyword. Um, and that led me then to start building out lots of small niche websites where I would target basically one low competition keyword. I'd build up a small website targeting that phrase, whatever it may be. For example, a couple of my um, first websites targeted uh, Worm Farms was one of them, and another one was Buffalo Nichols. So very, you know, random, very niche sort of phrases. And uh, I... And they worked, you know, I would rank very quickly in Google and these websites might only make me, you know, 50 or a hundred dollars a month. But the idea was to build lots and lots of these. And uh, that's exactly what I did. I built out tons of these little niche websites. And by 2011, I was making more from my side business with these niche websites than I was from my day job as a business banker at Wells Fargo. And so I uh, quit my job. And I've been doing, yeah, either SEO or just full-time on my own ever since for the past uh, three and a half years or so. How many of these sites do you have today? 
So I, I still do have a lot of those websites, but certainly a lot has changed since I started building those, you know, five or six or seven years ago. Um, so I have some sites. Um, I don't have an exact number, but I probably still have, oh, 50 or 60 sort of small niche sites out there that are really passive at this point. I, I don't manage most of those. I have um, probably seven or eight websites that I actually manage a little bit close closer now and, and put some effort into, I guess, on a month-to-month basis. And one of those sites that you presumably spend uh, more of your time on is nichepursuits.com? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have nichepursuits.com that uh, is is my primary business blog where I talk about what I'm doing, things I'm learning as I'm building out websites still in my journey uh, in business overall. So, yeah, it's my my personal and business blog, I guess, if you will. Okay, Spencer, let's talk about the early days of Longtail Pro and, and how you got started. You mentioned a little bit earlier about why you felt there was a need to to create a, a, another keyword research product. Do you remember the moment when you came up with that idea? Um, you know, I... I don't know if I remember the exact moment, but I do know that it was at some point where I was using a competing product and I was just so frustrated with how long it took me. I was spending hours and was getting back so few results and just the frustration. I was like, I see no reason why there's not a better way to do this. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was really the moment when I was using a competing product that sort of um, led me on to eventually researching and figuring out if I could be the one to create that new keyword research tool. Now, you're not a developer, right? That's correct. I'm, I am not a developer. I'm, uh, you know, my background is, is uh, finance and business management. And uh, so, yeah, I have very little to know um, actual programming experience. So what did you do next? You've got this idea. Did, did you go out and try to validate it? Did you, wh- what did you do next? Yeah, so I did do quite a bit of, of research. Um, first of all, I wanted to see, is there a good enough market for this? I, I felt like there was because I was involved in the market. You know, I was the target customer, so I understood that there was a need, but was there a big enough market? And I went out to answer that question and this is sort of a um, side tangent slightly, but I actually got an answer to that directly, oddly enough. Um, Market Samurai, again, was you know kind of the leading keyword research tool. I was on their email list, and I remember during that research time of a few months where I did research, I got an email from Market Samurai that they sent out to all their subscribers that basically told the story a little bit of Market Samurai. And in there at some point it said... Um, you know, finally we created this product and it's now done over $6.7 million in revenue. And so they basically gave me my answer. I was, you know, always wondered, well, how much are these people actually making? (laughs) And well, they told me in their email. And so I was like, there you go. I, there is a healthy market. I'm going to build this product. And so I did my market research. I found, yes, there's a healthy market. Um, and then at that point, I knew because I'm not a programmer, I needed to hire somebody. And so I started diving into the whole world of how do you hire a developer and, and where do you find them? Okay, so you feel like you've, 
you've validated the idea. There's there's clearly a need. There's a there's a market opportunity out there. Um, and so how, how did you how did you go about finding that developer? Yeah, and so what I did, I went over to uh, freelancer.com and posted a job for a freelance developer to start start building the product. I again, I had no experience, um, but I knew that I could find a programmer there. So I posted my job and I made pretty much every mistake in the book this first go round. I actually took me two tries before I got it right. Um, but I hired somebody for pretty cheap um, to develop the product. They were in a different country. We didn't speak the same language. You know, we could, you know, he spoke English well enough to write and so we could communicate that way. But, um, but I, I did get a product back that first time. Um, and, you know, I don't know how far down this story you want me to go, but I did get an initial version of the product. It did work. I started selling it, but only for about two weeks and then it broke. And then all sorts of problems came along where I wasn't able to get the updates from my programmer as I expected. Um, when I asked him for the source code, he wasn't turning over the source code so I could take it to somebody else and on and on, lots and lots of problems. I eventually, what I ended up doing is going back, finding somebody better and starting the project from scratch all over again, actually. How much did you spend on that first version? So I mean, first, not, not just that with a developer, but but how much did you spend in total to get from the idea to the first, the officially the first version of your product? Um, the 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 first version that ultimately failed. No, I mean uh, when you eventually got to a point that you were happy with the first version of the product. I got gotcha. you. So well, okay. So I'll give you a, a breakdown. So sort of the first version. Um, that that failed. I probably I spent less than five thousand dollars. Probably, um, you know, a very cheap developer. It it broke after about two weeks. Even though I had started selling it, um, I went back and hired somebody else, and I put oh another twenty five to thirty thousand dollars into the uh, first real version. I guess is what I'll call it. Um, so yeah, all said and done, probably around thirty thirty five thousand. And how long did it take you to get to that point? Because, I mean, it sounds like you, you know, you lost some time with this first developer. Fortunately, it looks like the, probably in hindsight, it was a good thing that it broke pretty quickly. So uh, Yes, I, I would agree with that. And then how long did it take you to get to this next developer and then eventually build this next version of this product to get to market? Mm-hmm. So it was a period of about seven months. Um, you know, both, both versions, you know, so the, the sort of second version took, um, five to six months to get up and running basically is, is what it worked out to be. Uh, actually that's, that's maybe a little long. It was probably closer to four months or so, but, but about six months total from sort of idea to, you know, a version that I was happy with. And so that next version launched sometime in mid 2011? Correct. Correct. Okay. It was in, uh, I believe it was in June 2011 that, that it officially launched. Okay. How did you get your first customer? 
So I did have a very small blog, actually a precursor to my uh, niche pursuits blog. I had another small blog that had been running for a short time. So I did have an email list of maybe a thousand people, not, not a lot. Um, you know, several hundred to a thousand people that I, I launched it to them first. You know, I told them, Hey, I'm creating this tool and, uh, go check it out. So that's how I got my very first customer. And, and this list had these people signed up for specifically for, um, this upcoming product or was it kind of a related um, site? Right. It it was a related site. Um, it, I had a blog. Um, it's very similar to, to nichepursuits.com. So I was talking about SEO and building uh, my niche website. So these were people that were interested in getting updates about niche websites. Um, they were out, you know, building their own and, and certainly closely tied to that is keyword research. So they were very interested in that topic. And of course, I had been sending out emails and blog posts, letting them know that I was developing this product. So they kind of knew it was coming. And uh, so when it launched, I basically let them know that, hey, it's ready to go. Go check it out. Okay. And did you start charging from day one? Yes, I did. Um, from from day one, it was a one-time purchase product um, You know that they paid once and, and they had lifetime access to the tool. But uh, yeah, right out of the gate, I did uh, start charging right away. Okay. So you sent the email to these thousand people. How many of them ended up buying the product? Um, I'm actually looking at some of my numbers. And, you know, I, I should also say that at about the same time I sent that email, I also listed it on the Warrior Forum as a Warrior Forum special offer. So I, I don't know how many from my email list bought versus how many from that sort of special offer on the Warrior Forum. But okay. I will say I, I didn't do anything special with that listing on the Warrior Forum other than I put it out. And I emailed my list and said, hey, go check out this special offer. So there was some purchases from directly from Wireform, some directly from my email list. But all said and done, I sold um, about about 100 copies of the software in the first uh, few weeks. Do you remember what you were charging for it? Yeah, it was, it was either 37 or 47 dollars that I, I launched it at when uh, uh, that first uh, that first time okay so you made about four thousand yep dollars that, from that, that sounds about right mm-hmm. okay almost covering the cost of that first developer <laughs> that, that's correct yeah yeah I basically <laughs> broke even I think is how it worked out to be with that first developer and the first you know logo and web design and sort of all the costs I had okay so what did you do next? So at that point, it was, it was a really tough decision because here I am, I, I broke even, um, but the software quickly broke and I had to decide, do I just scrap the business completely or do I think there's a good enough market here to continue on and pursue that? You know, I ultimately, of course, made the decision that I needed to go back and, and do it right the second time. So I, I went this time over to Elance and this time I did a lot more interviews, a lot more, um, I put a lot more effort into finding a great developer. And instead of hiring somebody cheap that could get it done quickly, I hired somebody that was great. 
um, whatever the cost would be. I just wanted the best person possible. And so I ended up hiring, you know, I think the most expensive person, but they've absolutely been worth every penny that I paid them. I still use the same developer today, three and a half years uh, later. Um, so it was a great decision. I So I got the second version. It took, you know, four to four months, four to five months to get it out the door. And then I basically did another launch um, in in June of 2011. And uh, that launch went much, much better. Now, what was the reaction from these early people who'd bought the product and then, you know, it broke? So presumably it wasn't working for them either. Yeah. And so <clears throat> there was all ranges of reactions. Of course, people that wanted an immediate refund, which I issued right away. Um, I, If I recall, and I, this is going back a little ways, but I believe that I emailed everybody that had purchased, you know, the hundred people and said, Hey, um, we know there's issues with the software. Um, if you want a refund, let me know. However, I am also developing a new version. It's going to take a few months to get that. But if you're willing to hold on, you're going to get a free copy of the new version. And so a lot of people opted to just wait until the new version came out. And then I did give them a free copy of that. Other people wanted refunds. So that's how I handled it. Okay. So looking back at those early days, if you could go back and and do things again, how would you do it differently? Uh, well, definitely, I would be more concerned with hiring the best possible programmer out there rather than trying to get it done for as cheaply as possible. That's a big mistake that I made. And so, and th- the way to do that um, is to, like I said, just do a lot more um, pre, pre-hire sort of interviewing and research, you know, looking at the work done by the developer, getting somebody on the phone or on Skype, actually talking to them, making sure that you can communicate and you both understand expectations. So I would just do a much more thorough job of hiring a, um, a developer and, uh, build the best product possible. Okay. Great. All right. So let's talk a little bit about this this relaunch, the launch take two. Mm-hmm. How did you go about, um, did you did you go back to that list again and, and uh, promote this next version of the product? Yeah, I did. But some interesting things happened in the period of, um, so, so from January 2011 was when I initially launched that ultimately failed, is also the exact same time that I started my new blog, nichepursuits.com. I also happened to quit my job, my full-time job, March 11th, 2011. And so I had some very interesting things going. And my, my niche website business was growing. I was doing very well. And because of that, I had a lot of great blog content on my new blog, nichepursuits.com. And that blog actually took off in the few months um, between the initial launch to the relaunch. Um, and so I grew my email list significantly. I don't remember what it grew to, but it was at least three or four times the size of, you know, the initial launch. So, so yes, I did go back to my email list, but because all these things had been happening, I'd been producing lots of blog content, building an audience. My name had been mentioned a little bit more and other, you know, in the blogosphere of my particular niche. Um, I had a much bigger email list. And so when I launched to them, um, 
there was a, a, a lot more customers uh, the second time around. Okay. Do, do you remember what kind of sales you did the second time around? Yeah. So I, I thought you might ask this. So I actually have my numbers pulled up here. So, <laughs> um, so the second time around, within the first couple of weeks, it did um, just over $10,000 worth in sales. So, so about three to four times okay. kind of what I had done initially before. Yeah. So a more successful launch. Um, this time, the product was more stable and you had more happier customers? Yep, absolutely. Customers loved the product. It was a product that not only worked better than what I had originally put out there, it finally sort of met my expectations of being a faster and better product than existing competitors. And it also looked great. I put some work into you know the design of the software um, and got lots of great feedback. People, people loved the product. It was well-received. So in those four months that you were building the product, were you going out and talking to people and asking what kind of features or functionality was important to them? Or were you really building this as the product that would help you to do better keyword research for your sites? Well, I, I definitely did a little bit of both. I mean, I because I was somebody that was doing keyword research on a regular basis. Um, I understood the needs of the market very well. And so I had a lot of that information internally. However, I was definitely talking to my audience, um, people that um, were on my email list and knew that I was creating a software product certainly were very free with their opinions. They emailed me or on my blog and blog comments would let me know, hey, it would be great if we added this feature or if your tool did this and that. So I was definitely um, in talks with my target audience all along the way through the development process. Okay. And then, so you've launched, um, things are looking more positive this time. What did you do to, to keep marketing the product and attracting more customers? Yeah, so I did at that time start trying to reach out a little bit to some affiliates that could help promote the product and, and have it on their blog. And so because, again, because nichepursuits.com was getting a little bit more well-known, uh, people knew me, at least a few people kn- knew me um, that I could contact, and uh, they became affiliates. Um, and uh, and also, I do have to go back to, I know I keep harping on this, but but uh, my blog has been just a huge driver of sales all along. So my consistent blogging and content marketing directly on Niche Pursuits, um, as that's grown, um, so have the sales of Longtail Pro. So content marketing has been huge, and then then the affiliates that I added have been big as well. Cool. Yeah, and I think um, I think as we were talking about earlier, I, I discovered niche pursuits first and then I learned about the other things that you were doing um, right. okay so the it, you know the product is growing um, and you 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 obviously did a great job while you were building this product to to start to build an audience and a following and a, and a platform where you could um, effectively promote this product. What advice would you give to 
struggling entrepreneurs who either are struggling to get that first customer or maybe um, have had some sales but are really having a hard time building traction there? Yeah, one thing that I would say is definitely try to reach outside of just your own direct influence. Um, and this is what I did, you know, trying to reach out to other bloggers or other people. What I, I guess the, the, the piece that people can apply no matter where they are is try to find the influencers in your market and um, strike up a, a conversation, try to build a relationship with them. And try to find out how you can either do some sort of joint partnership or affiliate partnership. In some way, you really do need to be building relationships with influencers in your market. And by doing that, you're going to get some uh, return or mentions. And uh, hopefully, you know, eventually they'll even uh, promote your product. But uh, just trying to reach outside of your own list, your own blog, um, and, and trying to find those people that are already involved with your target market. And how did you handle the the affiliate program? I hear about a lot of people talking about difficulties in finding um, the right solution, and maybe that's focused more on on SaaS products. Although you have a subscription offering as well, right, with, with Longtail Pro? Yes, I do now as well. We added that um, about two years ago, yeah. So what do you do to what did you do to implement the affiliate program? Yeah, so I actually use clickbank.com to handle all of the affiliate relationships and and payments there and you know, I don't know if that's the best solution, um but it's worked well for me and uh, our product it's nice because they basically handle everything, you know, I'm able to just use their system and they, you know, collect payments, disperse affiliate you know, commissions and, and everything like that. So it removes a huge headache for me. Okay, so looking back at, at after you'd launched this second iteration of Longtail Pro, um, tell me about one big challenge that you faced in, in growing the business. Um, you know, there's, there's always competition out there. Um, there's always people creating, you know, new software. And so that's, you know, that, that's a, that's always a challenge. Um, as much as uh, some people might like to think that software is something you can create once and sell unlimited amount of times, um, really there has to be constant ongoing updates and development of the product. And so that's been a ongoing challenge, um, especially with, you know, Google updates, they're changing how they rank things in the search engines. And so uh, we've had to go back and, and retool how we um, calculate certain things within Longtail Pro. And so it's, um, I guess that's not one particular challenge other than to say it's just an ongoing challenge that as long as there's updates in the market um, and uh, either with your competition or with the underlying technology, um, you have to constantly be updating and upgrading your software. And so that's just an ongoing thing that, that we've been doing since day one. Okay, so how how do you focus and spend enough time on keeping up to date with the what you know is happening with competitors, what's happening with Google, um, changes in the industry? 
uh, running niche pursuits, having your own podcast, having all of these other sites, <laughs> how, how, and, and your kids, right? So right. how do you manage all that? Um, not very well sometimes, probably. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, it's, uh, it, it's a great business to be in. Um, you know, I, I love staying up to date. I, I read the sort of SEO news and I enjoy reading other blogs. So I, I stay up to date that way, really out of enjoyment. It's, it's what I read. Um, so, so that piece isn't real difficult for me. And because I'm, um, you know, writing on my blog and interacting with my customers, I stay pretty up to date, uh, there as well. Um, but as far as, uh, time, time management, I guess is really the question. You know, I, um, you know, I, I try to prior, prioritize things, um, pretty well. Each morning when I wake up, I write down what my top few things that I want to get done for the day are. And, uh, I find that that provides a lot of clarity for me throughout the day or throughout the week so that I actually am getting important things done rather than, you know, as much as I do like to read other blogs and listen to podcasts, that can't be a top priority thing. I need to make sure that I'm, you know, updating the software and, and doing the certain things that'll move my business further along. So that's one little productivity thing that I do is just write down those things that are most important each day for me to accomplish. Yeah. And I think that one uh, great piece of advice that I heard, and I wish I could remember who I heard that from so I could kind of give them credit, but it was really about spending less time being a consumer and more time being a creator, right? And it's it's so easy just to spend time reading blogs and listening to podcasts. Um, But at some point, you know, if you're going to, you know, build a product or build an audience, you really have to prioritize the creation part ahead of everything else. Yep, absolutely. I agree. Okay, let's talk about the business today. What sort of revenue are you doing? So I, you know, I usually don't share exact numbers. I will say it's a, it's a healthy six-figure business a year. So just from Longtail Pro, just from Longtail Pro. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Healthy meaning, you know, it's not just barely a hundred thousand, and it's less than a million. So there you go. <laughs> okay, so you're somewhere in between there. Okay, that that That's narrows right. it down. <laughs> um. How do you, I know you've hired some people to to help build and maintain the product. So how what is the size of your team today? Yeah, so I have a, a developer that um, you know the same one that I hired uh, three and a half years ago that is still working with me. He's still on a contract basis, believe it or not. But he wow, does, yeah, he he works with me quite a bit. I'm definitely his biggest client, uh, if you will. Um, and then he has, or, or we also have two other contract developers, um, working on it. So three contact contract developers, um, a couple of part-time, um, customer support people. And then I just last week hired a full-time, um, brand manager, marketing, um, uh, employee to help me further, uh, promote the product. Cool. So what was your reason for continuing to keep these people on a contract basis? Well, it's, it's just, it's worked well to, you know, up to this point. Um, You know, the, the person that I have, he, 
he's somebody in a very similar situation to me. Um, he has children. He works from home. We get along very, very well. And so we have a good understanding of, of how things work. And um, we, we've had discussions back and forth about, you know, should I just hire him full time and, and this and that. Uh, for my particular situation, it has just worked out really well to just keep him on a contract basis because um, he can put in lots of hours if there's an update. And then, you know, there might be a week or two where he doesn't do hardly anything at all. So um, it, it just works well um, because it ebbs and flows with how much work actually needs to be done. Okay. What's the one thing in your business that you're most excited about right now? Uh, you know, believe it or not, I am most excited about the growth potential of this product and of this market. It is a, it's a big market. We've only tapped into just a little bit of it. And that's why I just hired a full-time marketing person just uh, last week because, uh, as you mentioned, you know, I've got all these other things going on with, um, my blog and, and niche websites and children and, you know, as much marketing as I can do, it, it's still a small sliver of my time. And so I want somebody dedicated to that full time because I know that I can double this business. Um, it's, so there's a lot of growth potential. I'm excited about tapping into some of those other opportunities that are out there outside of, um, kind of the, um, the um, target market that I've been focusing on right now that I think we can expand that a little bit to, you know, small mom and pop shops that own their own small business and they have a website and are just getting into content marketing. People like that, I have really not targeted specifically, um, but there's a lot of areas. So I'm just, yeah, I'm very excited about uh, overall growth potential. Okay, great. Okay, it's time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and I'd like you just to answer them as quickly as you can. Okay. All right, let's go. What's the best piece of business advice that you ever received? That was just to follow my own strategy, not to listen to what others are doing, but just develop your own strategy and follow that. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? Uh, this is a classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People, because you're always needing to develop those relationships, and that is a great resource to do that. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Somebody that's able to not only market and sell their products well, but also remain um, honest and have that integrity that uh, somebody should have. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? Currently, I use Asana. I like it a lot. Um, it gets me that simple format and uh, keeps me on task for what I need to do. If you had to start over tomorrow, and you have already done that several times, how would you go about finding that next business opportunity? I would probably start by figuring out what my own pain points are uh, by solving my own problem and then figuring out if there's actually a market for that solution. That's absolutely where I would start. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? <laughs> um, 
I'm a high school. I was a high school wrestler, and I had a big old cauliflower ear that I had to get drained multiple times. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> All right, and finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? Um, I'm absolutely passionate about my family. I can't harp on that enough, but I will give you another one. I also enjoy running. I've run a few marathons, and uh, that um, staying physically fit is important. All right. Great answer. Spencer, I, I want to thank you for joining me today and sharing your experiences and insights with our audience. And thank you for letting us get to know you a little better personally as well. If folks want to find out more about Longtail Pro or Niche Pursuits, or they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they can go over to uh, longtailpro.com if they want to try out Longtail Pro, of course. And then over at nichepursuits.com, I have a contact form there. They're welcome to reach out and get in touch with me. Or if they want to do that on Twitter, I'm at nichepursuits. Awesome. Spencer, thank you, and I wish you continued success. Hey, thank you so much, Omer, for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks a lot. Okay, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Spencer Hawes of Longtail Pro. You can get to the show notes for this episode by going to conversionaid.com slash 23, where you'll find all the links and resources that we discussed today. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can find me on Twitter at Omer Khan, O-M-E-R-K-H-A-N, or you can email me at omer at conversionaid.com. And if you enjoy the episode, then I'd really appreciate you taking a couple of minutes to submit a review on iTunes and subscribing to the show if you haven't already done so. Just go to conversionaid.com slash iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to Conversion Aid, the podcast that shows you how to take your business to the next level and create software that sells. But things don't have to end here. Head over to conversionaid.com slash VIP and get yourself on the free VIP list where we share special insider content and news about upcoming episodes. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.